0: Any views or opinions expressed on KUR are not necessarily those of Kutztown University, Kutztown University Student Government, Kutztown University Student
1: Services Incorporated, KUR staff and management or other affiliated organizations.
0: I am once again by myself. My co-host is still at large. I have no idea where he is. He's on the run. We will track him down. Anyway, today's a topic will be the focus of aliens once again. However, since it's me and I have a tendency towards the antiquity, that is, the ancient I'll be focusing on mostly ancient aliens, or rather, ancient UFO sightings. Often, that's what they are, anyway. Um, However, the first topic is sort of an explanation of something from a previous, well, from the previous episode, on aliens, that is. Um, So let's just hop right in to the first topic. The first topic is that of the Kelly Hopkinsville sighting. On uh, August Sorry, tripping over my words already. One August evening in the year 1955, a family gathering was taking place on a farm in Hopkinsville, Kentucky. The family would later make their way to the local police station to state their experience. Earlier that evening, one of the family members was heading out to get some water from a well when he saw it. A figure just standing there at the edge of the wood with an eerie light appearing behind it. Earlier that night, there was a sighting of a bright light streak across the sky and it appeared to disappear behind a tree line some distance from the, uh, from the house. The family would set up uh, sort of guard duties over uh, the course of the night. <coughs> uh, eventually, though, they just got they felt that like they were being attacked, and that uh, they could no longer defend themselves, and so they retreated, got into their cars, and headed into town. While in town, they uh, came across some, well, uh, they went to the police station, that's how they came across them, but they went to the police station, came across some police officers, and asked for help. Uh, they then described what had happened to them. Uh, supposedly, the police officer was more willing to listen, because he himself had had a paranormal or a experience similar to this just a little while before that I guess um, eventually they would uh, return to the house with the police somehow also large a large amount of press um, the press themselves would uh, describe the, the night or some of the sightings for that night as uh, the beings themselves at least as little green men and estimated their size to be somewhere around two to four feet tall. Um, the beings were also described as having uh, large pointed ears, claw-like hands, and eyes that glow Eyes that glow like yellow and spindly legs. That's right, guys, gals, non-binary pals, this is the origin of the phrase, Little Green Men. Not too dissimilar to the theories about the Flatwoods Monster as well, though, um, this creature is supposedly... Theorized by uh, more modern historians, I suppose, uh, as being a great horned owl. It's at least one um, explanation. Uh, There are some who claim that the people there may have been intoxicated as well, and that's also why they may have seen what they saw, or what they claim to have seen at least. Um but uh, I've heard others say about this that the uh, the mother, the woman there did not, or uh, was a very straight-laced woman who would not have supported that whatsoever <coughs> and so it's in question no one really knows, uh, eventually the woman I forget her name otherwise I would be saying it, and I don't think I saw it when I was reading about this uh, though I probably just didn't see it, or uh, missed it uh, I'm not saying it wasn't there um but yes that is the kelly hopkinsville sighting eventually she would try and sell the farm the farm is also like a sort of um like a must-see place for a lot of ufologists and ufo enthusiasts Um, eventually she uh, i don't know she moved into town eventually she sold the farm and moved into town Um, unsure if it's because of, you know, everyone bombarding the farm and bothering her about it and taking pieces of the farm in the house which is a little weird and kind of messed up in my opinion Um, or the alternative reasoning for moving into town could be, you know, not wanting a repeat experience, especially when she's by herself because the only reason there were so many other people there at that time was because she was having a family gathering or reunion children and their children. But yes, that is the Kelly Hopkins signing. So now that we've uh, tra- we've uh, gotten through the, the modern out of the way, now that the modern stuff is out of the way, let's move on to the ancient, the ancient astronaut theory. I think I hinted on this, or at least I wanted to talk about this last time, just because it's it's relatively interesting to me, but it's, it's a relatively simple theory um it's basically just claims that you know ancient aliens or ancient astronauts it's it's that theory it's the it's the one that claims that uh these ancient peoples or ancient uh visitors from another planet uh affected the civilizations of the, the various time periods that they traveled to and uh <coughs> influenced them in, in various ways I'll say this now, um, this theory is not taken seriously by most academic circles, but that's not what we're here for. The evidence proposed by, um, a lot of the people here are, uh, from, they, they take lines and text from various ancient cultures, and very and like, cultural texts and also just religious texts in general. Can sort of interpret them in a way that makes it seem as though uh, they might be talking about aliens.
1: Just one second.
0: Throat's getting a bit dry. Um, so the evidence that they propose um, comes from a, a, a number of places, <clears throat> as well as just like iconography in general. But uh, the books that they cite, or the passages and stuff, are the, they come from the Ramayana, uh, the book of Genesis in the Bible, Enoch, and Ezekiel, as well as other parts of the Bible. They also cite the Irish book of invasions, and, and many other sources, like I mentioned. Iconography, of course. I'll mention it, but we'll get into that. <coughs> Anyway, but here's some excerpts from some of those um, books that I found. Let me find that really quick. Actually, I think I might need to do that soon. So let me do something else. Um, I'll start with Ezekiel just because I have something written here for it. We'll go back and do some of the other ones as well. But uh, in Ezekiel, they claim that Ezekiel, when he saw the chariot of God, and that uh, <coughs> that it was actually a UFO, since it's described as, like, there being an immense cloud that contains fire and emits this light. And at the center, there was this um, glowing metal with four living creatures inside of it. And so they, you know, theorize that that's a sort of UFO. Um, which I guess, in a way, yeah, it kind of is, just by definition of a UFO being an unidentified flying object. <coughs> but, it's a little nebulous, I suppose. Uh, especially when it comes to supposed deities and whatnot. Which, speaking of deities, this has nothing to do with that. Anyway, <coughs> I have to read a paper here from the conductor. From the KUR Notebook. Attention KU Community. KUR Podcast is a good sampling of our programming regularly on multiple different platforms. Some of our best talk programming can be found on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Simply open your Spotify or Apple Podcasts and search for Kutztown University Radio and listen to the many great podcasts featured. Some of our older podcasted programming is still available on YouTube. Search for Kutztown University to find them. Finally, some of our best music-based programming is podcasted on Mixcloud. To go to our Mixcloud page, www.mixcloud.com slash KUR. Sorry. Let me correct that. It's www.mixcloud.com slash KURadio. You can listen on demand. This message is brought to you by the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR. So now that that is done i can go back and read some of the excerpts i just didn't want to have to interrupt myself immediately um let me find where they talk about this really quick Here it is so from the ramayana it states <coughs> is it not the wondrous chariot of mine named Pushpak, wrought by hands divine this chariot kept with utmost care will waft thee through the fields of air, and thou shalt light unwearied down in fair... Yeah, it's Royal Town. I am sorry if I mispronounced that. (coughs) But that's at least from Book 6, and it's something called The Magic Car, which is kind of cool. I think that's interesting. Um, There's another thing here from the same book, uh, but it's called The Departure. Swift through the air as Rama close, or Rama chose, rather. The wondrous car from Earth arose, and decked with swans and silver wings, bore through the clouds its fright of kings. Similar to, I guess, the Bible in a way. It talks about a chariot. I guess that's a a very easy way for uh, ancient peoples to talk about uh, some sort of small relatively low-capacity vehicle. Um, It's very uh, interesting, though. So, yeah, they call these... Some people uh, talk about these as though they're the chariot of the gods or they were space vehicles. Um, They use this to support that hypothesis. Uh, Well, they use this to support the hypothesis of the ancient astronaut. That's the way I prefer to call it. just because i like the word astronaut but um in the book of uh genesis it says specifically oh yeah (laughs) sorry i'm gonna paraphrase this a little bit just because i have uh i've heard of this before um and i'm sure many of you have as well in the book of genesis it talks about the daughters of men who were born in the sons of god or the nephilim um Thought that the daughters of humans were beautiful, and so they married them and had offspring with them, um, but eventually, yeah. Uh, but that's basically all this like excerpt says is that, like, yeah, there were children of these gods, or not the children of the gods. Th- well, these were the children of the gods. Sorry, who took a fancy to the daughters of humans and had children with them, and these children, of course, became. Yeah, the Nephilim are the children of God, or the the children of the sons of God and the daughters of humans. Uh, they are also sometimes translated, I think, as giants. They're an uh, interesting people, I guess. I don't know how to refer to them really. They're very nebulous, but yeah. Uh, supposedly. Um, The Sons of Gods were sometimes considered to be angels, sometimes they were called Watchers. Uh, They also taught or instructed the humans in metallurgy, metalworking, cosmetics, sorcery, astrology, astronomy, and meteorology. Um, I think they're also supposedly the ones who gave Noah the knowledge to build his flood. missed something when I was initially reading this Um, yeah so sometimes the Watchers are described as fallen angels because they supposedly disobeyed God at some point perhaps when they turn against humans because they supposedly do that as well but yes that is not the end of ancient ancient astronauts but that is the uh, book of Genesis and uh, I guess parts of the book of Enoch I'm not sure it doesn't have an exact like quote here it's like this is from the book of Enoch of that. Um, the Book of in- and Invasions is somewhat similar to um, when I was talking earlier about Ezekiel. Um, <clears throat> how uh, it, it's kind of nebulous to talk about uh, aliens versus deities in ancient history. Uh, some people think they're one and the same. I mean, you have things like Marvel where you have Thor who is at least in Marvel objectively an alien. But then you also in Marvel have the uh, like Egyptian gods with like Moon Knight and stuff. Which are interesting. Or are interesting depictions of them, in my opinion, at least. Sorry, just, uh, that was a lot of dead air there. I'm sorry about that. <coughs> just getting thrown off by things. Could probably put that there. Okay. So anyway, the the Book of Invasions talks about deities specifically, well, sometimes they're not deities, or they're not supposed to be called deities, because of, uh, well, lo and behold, Christianity, usually. Um, it's called the, uh, this theory uh, stems from the people, some of the beings who came to Ireland first, or one of the first, I don't know, I don't think they were the first, but they're called the Tuatha de Danann, I think. (laughs) Um. And they, they supposedly claim that these people are aliens. And they came to Ireland in a spaceship with cloaking devices. Because they... Uh, I think in the Book of Invasions, they supposedly blotted out the sun, basically. Um, just to put it simply, anyway. But yeah, that's pretty much the Book of Invasions. I, th- I The Book of Invasions is very interesting to me. And it's... <sighs> It's one of the only, like, it's one of the few Irish folklore things that hasn't been completely Christianized, because, although it has still partially, I think, in some instances, been Christianized. That's the problem with uh, the expansion of Christianity into a lot of places in general, not just Europe, but uh, in general. They like to stamp out paganism. And so we lose a lot of the ancient cultures from these places. Some of it does survive, like with the Book of Invasions and stuff uh, though they do not but that's partially because I think they don't write these characters as being gods rather special creatures like there's often uh, fairies in um, Celtic folklore and stuff like that and usually a lot of them. well. Oh I am sorry about this. Have you ever been a That was a screw up on my part <coughs> we're not quite there yet. Let me just switch to this. Move that down there. And move this right there. There we go. Sorry, I wasn't ready for that. <coughs> I didn't realize we were so close to ending in that song. Anyway. But that's uh, that's pretty much the Book of Invasions. And there are, there are many other versions of... The, or uh, instances where ancient astronauts pop up um such as of course the most famous like examples are usually like that aliens built the pyramids of giza i don't believe in that i think that's kind of I, I don't know i don't like that one I, I don't like the idea that you take away these feats from these ancient peoples and just be like they were not capable of doing this i just don't like that um it's the same with uh, the Moai of Easter Island as well. They get that, uh, that treatment a lot as in addition to this. But yes, so... I will now move on to what I accidentally slipped up and uh, started playing. Thank you for listening to the Paranormal Express on the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR. We'll be right back.
1: and can't seem to find a station that fits the vibe, or you're studying for so long listening to music that your playlist runs out of songs, check out Boppin' and Vibin' every Tuesday and Thursday at 1 p.m. where we listen to some good vibes and bop out. That's Boppin' and Vibin' on the radio voice of Christown University. K-U-R.
0: Three at the motel I don't recycle. I mean, we can just find another planet for your kids to live on, you know?
1: Noted non-recycler Tommy Crenshaw talks about the future.
0: Oh, I can totally see finding another planet that can support life when ours fills up with trash.
1: As an alternative to recycling?
0: Yeah, an alternative. So, we like don't have to do it. Recycling. There are lots of planets. Finding one is just a matter of time. Many people say that recycling is pretty simple and convenient. A matter of keeping select items out of the trash. A lot simpler than finding a new planet, Tommy. Come on, there's a bunch of planets out there.
1: Would you recycle on this new planet, Tommy? Or just use it up and throw it away, too?
0: I, I really don't have a clue. Log
1: on to yougottobekidding.org and learn about all the ways you can recycle. Unless you're into lame excuses like Tommy's.
0: Hey, recycling's just not my thing. Starting over on a new planet? Now that's exciting.
1: Don't be that guy. Unless you want people looking at you funny. Log on to yougottobekidding.org.
0: Welcome back, guys, gals, and non-binary pals. You're listening to the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR. So, I left off last time talking about the... Or, well, not last time, but just before the break, about ancient aliens of sorts, or ancient astronauts in this case as well. Uh, I also kind of wanted to touch on something else in that same theory. Uh, sort of its origins. Supposedly, uh, one of the hypotheses and origins and some of the early proponents was even H.P. Lovecraft. I'm sorry, I just read that and I think that's interesting. <laughs> um, it, it's interesting because, to me at least because throughout history, a lot of people like to use Supposed anthropo- anthropological evidence and science and other fields of study like that to back uh, sort of uh, racist beliefs. And that could be the case with H.P. Lovecraft. I, I'm not saying it is necessarily, but it could be. And th- that's always like a danger with it, because you get that with. Um, I forget the scientific thing, uh, sorry, study, oh, phrenology, like the study of, like, human skulls and stuff like that, the size of human skulls, and supposedly, you know, it depicts, or not depicts, it predicts, uh, crime, and whether or not someone's a good person. Of course, it really doesn't, but that's the idea. Other proponents, less controversial, are, um, Carl Sagan, even. He, uh, Him and another astrophysicist, uh, Shklovsky, I don't know how to pronounce that, but, um, they theorize that it's potentially possible that, uh, aliens came to our planet, uh, early on in its development and everything. That it's possible. Not that it definitely did happen, but it's possible and it could explain a few things. Um, Uh, So, Sagan apparently illustrates his hypothesis with citing an explorer um, who apparently made contact with someone I've talked about on the show before, the Tlingit Peoples. Sorry, this is getting a little loud. I am a rather uh, soft spoken person, so... So, uh, apparently there is a a, a contact story from them. I'm gonna kind of gloss over because I do want to move on to my other topics, but there's a sort of contact story from these people that is an oral tradition from the Tlingit um, in which a sort of I don't know how to explain this honestly Uh, it's framed as like a sort of uh, spiritual paradigm and uh, it's often like it's hard to like explain so Sorry, I'm trying to find where it actually explains it, <laughs> rather than uh, keep beating around the bush about it. So apparently, there's some fish-like being attributed to their like teachings and culture, similar to how the other, like um, I guess in the Bible, how the um, not the nephilim, but the the children of God or whatever, the sons of God um, had those angels or whatever had uh, come down to teach men about all the various things like sorcery and metallurgy and whatnot uh, apparently this is a similar story with fish like beings uh coming about and teaching agriculture mathematics and stuff like that to early sumerians ah that's a different tale okay they didn't really explain the one from the tlingit but apparently there's one there too <laughs> anyway but that yeah i just wanted to talk about some of the origins in that case um next on my list of ancient stuff. I do have one more that's not ancient, but that'll come later. <sighs> Sorry about that. So, the next one that continues to be ancient is that of the Thule Papyrus. This one's relatively short. These next two are relatively short. Um, So, I'm going to take my time explaining. Them. <laughs> Actually, I think I have stuff to read from at least one of them. <clears throat> but the tule papyrus is uh, it's, it's rather simple it's basically just a thing of papyrus that was found that supposedly in translation they discovered comes from the pharaoh or at least the time of the pharaoh Thutomos, thutmos the third the sighting they claim to have seen in these is that of like fiery circles or circles of fire in the sky um what the translation says in the year 22 in the third month of winter in the sixth hour of the day the scribes of the house of life noticed a circle of fire that was coming from the sky from the mouth it emitted a foul breath it had no head its body was one rod long and one rod wide I'll note here I guess that one rod or one rod of, co- or rod of cord equals apparently a hundred cubits I personally don't know exactly what cupids are, but that's supposedly how long that is. It had no voice, and from that and from that the hearts of the scribes became confused, and they threw themselves down on their bellies. Then they reported the thing to the Pharaoh. His Majesty ordered it ordered has been examined. There's a lot of like uh, missing. Parts to this papyrus, which is, I think part of the reason why people think it's fake, but doesn't matter. Um, so that's why it's kind of broken up a little bit. But anyway, has been examined, and he was meditating on what had happened, that it was recorded in that scrolls of the house of the life. Now, after some days had passed, these things became more and more numerous in the skies. Their splendor exceeded that of the sun and extended to the limits of the four angels of the sky. High and wide in the sky was the position from which these fire circles came and went. The army of the Pharaoh looked on with him in their midst. It was after supper. Then these fire circles ascended higher into the sky. They headed toward the south Fish and birds fell from the sky, a marvel never before known since the foundation of their land. And Pharaoh caused incense to be brought to make peace with earth, which apparently in this case is a sacred altar to Amun-Ra. And what happened was ordered to be written in the annals of the house of life so that it will be remembered for all time forward. That is essentially what this papyrus had said whether or not it's authentic, I guess we don't know. <laughs> I didn't find anything on, I mean, I think it's still disputed. Um, but yeah, that's essentially what this thing says. There were these circles of fire. Very similar, very, gen- not generic, but very typical, I guess, of UFO sightings. Especially ancient UFO sightings. There are some modern ones that were like that we talked about last time that are very similar to that, though. <clears throat> so anyways, the next one that I will talk about is a little bit shorter. Uh, this one is probably my favorite, and I'm the most upset that I couldn't find more on it. Because it's, it's very short, because I couldn't find the actual writing it's uh, from a I think he's a philosopher maybe just a historian um, sorry i just trying to find it here what does it say about him he's a Roman historian his name is uh, Titus Livius or Livy um, and he had recorded that there were apparently phantom ships in the sky in his Ab Urbe Condita or from the founding of the city. Uh, All I can seem to find is that there were claims of the huge fleet of phantom ships seen in the sky, and I can't find any actual text about it. This uh, one website I found says, uh, In 218 BCE, according to Livy, a huge fleet of ships was seen in the sky near Rome. I guess since that's all I found for this, I'll go into a few more things that are seen on here, because this is about Roman... Uh, UFO sightings in general. Uh, Pliny the Elder also had claimed in 76 BCE uh, that there was a flame of a star that had dropped down and grew to the size of the moon before reascending back up and it just became a, a light. <laughs> so I guess it just became a star. I wonder if that may have been like a supernova that I think would be interesting, because I mean there's other historical accounts of that happening, I think some people died in uh, China because they failed to predict a supernova happening um, also uh, a different a later one I guess
1: eh, well, not that much later
0: um, Plutarch uh, it, it says that there's like an interesting phenomenon that takes place uh, in 74 BCE so before this battle took place between the armies of Lucullus and Mithrid, Mithridates the f- fifth? Four. Sixth, sorry, I'm bad of numerals. This uh, battle was supposedly happening in Asia. There were these flaming bottles of wine, essentially, <laughs> that just appeared. Uh, yeah, so it says here, a large object in the sky between the armies appeared in flames in the shape of wine vessels. Pythos, or Pythos, I don't know, and in molten silver silver color, so like silver flaming jars of wine, it's interesting, (laughs) sorry about that, (coughs) anyway, yeah, it was, yeah, I think that's interesting, that they saw this, I just wonder, I just wonder what that would even look like, because, or just any of these. Like, I, What I really want to know what it would look like is the huge fleet of ships seen in the sky near Rome. Like that. That's just cool. But anyways. I digress. Let's see. Is there any more ancient topics? I did, there was more from Rome that I saw at one point. Um, yeah, so that one that I just talked about with the... Uh, Uh, the molten colored flaming jars uh, happened in Phrygia uh, which is a kingdom in uh, which apparently is now part of Turkey Um, so yeah that happened around there Uh, there's another one here from the Roman, it's not from the same website but there's another one from Rome it also happened near Rome as well Uh, The Spark of a Star, it's unknown where that happened but this one is called Angel Hair and it's from the historian Classus Dio. Uh, he described a fine rain resembling silver descended from a clear sky upon the Forum of Augustus. Which seems like a rather lackluster UFO sighting. It's, it's just some rain. So apparently, like, he would keep coated some coins with it, but, like, about a couple days later it went away it's kind of interesting i guess but kind of the weirdest one that a uh, weirdest alien or like ufo sighting because i don't know if it's really a ufo maybe that's why it's not listed on that site that other site but that's basically all i could find on classical antiquity stuff i could go in there, there's some more interesting ones of different centuries um there's just one from nuremberg i should be Drink. Yeah. That's interesting. Um so yeah, there's this one from Nuremberg. I'll talk about it a little bit. Why not? I got time. Residents of Nuremberg. I described like an aerial battle happening. Um this happened in fifteen sixty one. The name of it is the uh, 1561 celestial phenomenon over Nuremberg. There's another one that happened in Basel, Basel, uh, somewhere in Switzerland. But uh, in Nuremberg, they cl- they claim that there was a large clash outside the city, uh, and there were some claims that witnesses observed uh, a bunch of spheres and cylinders and just odd shapes that were moving erratically overhead don't know what the explanation for this would be i could click on the page and like kind of look over it a little bit the the picture here is really interesting what is it with medieval artists and drawing faces on like inanimate not inanimate, well sometimes inanimate objects but in this case like the sun it's very interesting um sorry i'm just reading over this because i didn't research this one i was mostly focused on antiquity Apparently there's also a black triangle, which is also a very common UFO thing. Uh, I don't know if we talked about that last time, but that's a common UFO sighting, is like the black triangle. You can even see it in some episode, or at least one episode that I'm aware of, of uh, the X-Files. So, supposedly it wasn't just a bunch of objects moving in the sky, it was also like that these appeared out of the sun. Like they came from the sun that's why the sun's in the painting or drawing whatever that is but that also wasn't just like spheres and uh cylinders that appeared there was other odd shapes and they all moved erratically there was there's some woodcut uh, depictions of the events that show uh crosses and small spheres and then crescents as well and a black spear That's very interesting. I don't really want to read this broad text. The broadsheet text. Um, I'll I'll, I'll skim it and see if I can find how it ended. Uh, Apparently they they thought this was like Wrath of God is what it seems. But yeah, that seems about it. They just prayed to God. (laughs) And eventually it ended. I'm trying to figure out the Some people think that the modern interpretations are that they might have been just cannonballs and, like, refractions of light and stuff. There's a lot of mentions of um, God's will, which I don't really see how that's an explanation. But, yeah. Cannonballs is an interesting explanation, though I don't know how accurate it would be. I guess it could also be like arrows too, like actual like arrow fire. I don't know. Well, if they have cannons though, did they still have? It's 1561. They should have muskets by that point. Anyway, wait, what? <laughs> Sorry, I just saw something that that caught my uh caught my attention on this page. Uh. This view is uh, used to be dismissed by skeptics some referencing Carl Jung's mid-20th century writings about the subject while others find the phenomenon unlikely to be s- to be a sun dog. So apparently sun dog or mock sun or parhelion or parhelia is a meteorological like atmospheric phenomenon uh, where the sun Appears to be like two dogs. <laughs> it's a very interesting looking picture if you can look it up. It's a uh, it's caused by a refraction of light and ice crystals and stuff. It's a, I mean it's usually what atmospheric uh, uh, phenomena are. So, but uh, the, the name sundog just caught my eye. Anyways, I think I need to move on to some uh, more messages. You're listening to the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR. We'll be right back with the Paranormal Express. KUR, Kutztown University's award-winning radio station on Twitter, to receive exciting daily content delivered straight to your newsfeed. By following us on Twitter, you'll discover diverse music, breaking news, and engaging student DJ content. Follow us at twitter.com forward slash KURadio, and remember to use hashtag KURadio when tweeting about us. We are KUR. The radio voice of Kutztown University. With your KUR news, I'm Jennifer. A longtime staff member here at Kutztown University will be leaving us soon. On Friday, June 3rd, will be Dr. Michelle Keek's
1: last day here at Kutztown University. Dr. Keek was the Dean of Graduate Studies and will be continuing her journey at the Oklahoma State, where Dr. Keek has been named Provost and Vice President of Academic Affairs. Dr. Keek has been a Golden Bear member since 2012 and has contributed thoughtful inclusive leadership in all the positions Dr. Keek has held at the university. We want to thank you, Dr. Keek, and wish you luck on your future career. We check news hourly here on KUR.
0: Welcome back ladies, gentlemen, and non-binary friends. You're listening to the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR last time I was <clears throat> just before the break I was talking about the 1561 celestial phenomenon over Nuremberg um I guess I could go over the other one it's very similar the 1566 celestial phenomenon over Basil or Basil or I don't know I'm American um but yeah it's uh it's essentially the same thing I don't really think I need to go over it it's, it's a bunch of like spheres that appeared out of the sun um very similar. These ones appear to just be spheres. I don't see anything mentioning uh, like crescents or um, other uh, like shapes, which seems to just be spheres. Just skimming over it to make sure I'm correct. Don't want to give you misinformation. Um, apparently, they were very fiery and red, and soon crumbled and then extinguished. It's interesting. This one's a lot shorter than the other one. There isn't much uh, info. But, yeah. So that's the beginning, at least, of the uh, next century after classical antiquity. There's a large gap in between classical antiquity and the, like, early modern... Well, I don't know if that's considered early modern. What is considered early modern? Let me figure that out really quick. Uh, Yeah, I guess it would be the early modern period. Early Middle Ages, so like... I guess it's 15 to... Yeah, anyway. I'm gonna move on to a very, very more modern event that I actually wanted to talk about last time, but I ran out of time. Yeah, sorry. I just I just had to check the time really quick to make sure I'm still doing good. Um, but yeah, so... Now I was... Monty Python would say, now for something completely different. Except it's not completely different. It's just modern and not ancient or early modern. Medieval. Anyway. um, So this is another UFO phenomenon sighting, but more likely, more like the type you would think of, not spheres coming out of the sun. This one is the McMinnville UFO photographs. I actually used to live in McMinnville. Um, Though this didn't actually take place in McMinnville, uh, they were tied to the town because uh, it happened to be the larger town nearby. Um, The photos were taken by a couple uh, called... Their names were Paul and Evelyn. Supposedly the account is that Evelyn called for her husband um, as she was walking between the farmhouse. She saw a flying object... uh, that she believed to be like I guess a flying saucer and she called for her husband to grab the camera and come take a picture before it sped off in a westward direction and he did so um so what happened afterwards is they eventually after they developed the film which took a little while because they didn't they I guess they used it on an earlier or a a a relatively unused roll of film so they decided to wait to you know use the film so it wasn't a waste also cause they um apparently they were supposedly they said back they said later, much later in the nineties, uh this happened I don't think I said when this happened, but it happened in the nineteen fifties. Um but yeah, so in the nineties they, they were afraid apparently that this could have been a military like uh flight test or something like that and that they could have gotten in trouble. But that didn't stop them from eventually talking about it a few like weeks or months later. Um which they did they developed the film and then they sent the photographs to various places they talked about it on a radio show um, eventually the negatives were given to a person at the a, a local reporter at a um, I forget the name of the newspaper uh I'm trying to see if i wrote it down here somewhere Yeah, I'm not seeing it. Anyway, they gave it to him, and he basically looked at the negatives and uh, deduced. He discovered that they were not, in fact, fake. That the photos were real. Later, it was also corroborated again that they were, in fact, real photos. The photos were a picture of an actual physical object. The photos were not fake. Was the event fake? That's up to you. But... Yeah, they went on various talk shows. Uh, supposedly, they gave one account to a they gave one account to a newspaper, I think, or magazine, something like that. And then they gave a different one to this other one, um, saying that they both had been in the backyard, not just Evelyn. Um, yeah. So a local reporter asked for the negatives, uh, and he found that they had lack of tampering, basically. So that's what I just mentioned. Um, so they proved that these were a real object, not, fo- not, not. They were a real object in the photos, not. Uh, that the photos were not doctored in any way, um, but of course some still doubt it. And then I did read a hoax explanation. Um, so yeah, some UFO skeptics in the 1980s uh, proposed a that the photos were faked, and that the entire event was a hoax. So the primary argument is that they used shadows to kind of gauge it, I guess. Um, And that they were taken later in the morning than, I guess, they had claimed. Um, I think another person claims that they were taken from out of a mirror and that that the photos were taken out of a mirror. And I think that the actual object in the photos was a like, um, what is it? Like a frying pan or something that was flipped upside down and hanging from something. Um, but yeah, supposedly there, there's a number of contradictions in their story, uh, and so it it just it makes people skeptical. And I can't really blame them. Um, in 2013, so people are still talking about. They the people they uh, post more people posted studies about this, and uh, they kind of tried to figure out the geometry of this photo. I guess these photos were very confusing to some people. Um, yeah, and so this is where they deduced that it was a, that they, the conclusion of this source or the study rather um, on the, the from April twenty thirteen. Uh, the the conclusion was that. Uh, the result of this study was that the McMinnville UFO was a model hanging from a thread but yes um, that is the UFO photo from McMinnville, Oregon so I have one last thing to do here <coughs> I have one more paper I gotta read from the conductor or else I'll get mad but before I do that just one second going. <clears throat> From the KUR notebook. Attention KU community. Want to join KUR but don't want to be on air? We have a spot for you. Contact us at kur at kutztown.edu and express your interest and we will find the perfect place for you at KUR. KUR is anything you want to make. If you don't hear back within a few days please stop by rooms 188 or 190 in the McFarland Student Union building. Or call us at 610 683 4059. That's 610 683 4059 during normal business hours. Ask for Mike Regs or any of our eBoard members or directors. We hope to see you soon. This message is brought to you by the Radio Voice of Goodstown University, KU. All right, now that I fixed that, okay. So, I didn't realize what was going on there. I had to pause the recording for a minute. Anyway, so now that that's done, what shall we do with our last few minutes? <clears throat> well, I found out something interesting. As I mentioned before, I used to live in Oregon, McMinnville specifically. Um, and I found out that in McMinnville, they actually have a UFO festival. It's uh, at this place called McMinnamins, which I've actually been to. But I'm not going to read what they have to say about it. Um, mostly because it just kind of seems like it feels like an ad. Uh, I was having issues. I already did read this once. Uh, I was, It seemed like I was having issues with my uh, software for a minute. Um, anyway, I don't really have much else to talk about. I could try to do what I did before. Uh, see if there's any more interesting stuff. This is a Korean one. That's kind of cool. Or maybe I'll have to do those some other time. Anyway, uh, I think I might have to end this episode a bit early. Thank you. Guys, gals, and non binary pals for listening to Paranormal Express. We will see you next week. You can, in the meantime, you can find us on social media sites such as Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Twitter, we are at Paranormal underscore EXP, and Instagram, we are at Paranormal underscore Express underscore podcast. Um, you can also find us at our website paranormal-express.com and you can check out our anchor.fm page to see everywhere where you can listen to us outside of KUR anyway we'll see you guys again next week thank you for listening to the radio voice of Goodstown University KUR